And the Oscar goes to a podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cave Crisis episode 126. I'm okay. There we go. What? I want to have the sounds. There it is. Stupid video game apocalypse in there. 101st episode. Why? My soundboard. I'm your host Henry Gilbert. That's H E N E R E Y E G on Twitter. There it is. And uh, this is the weekly podcast on the Laser Time Podcast Network, mm. where we talk about all the latest goings on in the world of comic books and graphic novels and films and television based upon them. We have a lot of fun here. And I'm here with Chris Antista, regular co-host. Well, I'm just bouncing out gonna, of here. Are we going to wait for the whole thing? I don't know if you listeners want to hear this. No, hi, I'm Chris yeah. Antista. No, I'm just I'm testing out levels. These are old. Well, uh, man, our, this this computer is eroding. Not the same as the one we bought that's recording the show right now. I found out I need to make that distinction because I was complaining about a computer. I know. Some people were like, well, what? Your computer's in trouble? The like, one we you just one? bought yeah. you? Like, no, not that one. Do we need another one, though? No, 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 no. No, that was a joke. That was a joke. It's there we go. So working. <laughs> uh, boy, we had a crazy weekend mm-hmm. of uh, of a fun group get together that mm-hmm. didn't really involve comic books that much, but mm-hmm. it was just watching the Oscars and a pro wrestling event at the same time. Though there is pro wrestling talk on this episode related to comics in a very meaningful, credible way. What's that? Uh, but that comes a little bit later. But. Uh, first, I, oh God, we want to talk about what we've been reading. I'm guessing we're about to go into what you've been reading. That's right. right, our regular what you've been reading topic. Though I did just want to briefly say, like, uh, R.I.P. Harris Whittles. Like, yeah, is, man. Uh, that that really sucks. If Funny you dude. If you didn't know Harris Whittles, he was Twiddles on Twitter and Humblebrag. He created Humblebrag. He mm-hmm. was a writer for Parks and Rec and the Sarah Silverman program, and also like. One of the first podcast guests I truly like love. Like he was, mm-hmm. I mean, sexually I was no. I hearing him on Comedy Bang Bang and and a million other shows like was the best. He was great and and one of the things that was great about him was he was very open about his problems. One of them being drug addiction mm. and like. This is a bad time for me to drop my California medicine. I'm guessing. Well, it was just sad to. It's it's. It's one thing I think about, like, what podcasts mean. Like, mm-hmm. to get me reflective about podcasting and what it means. And to be like, I felt like I knew this guy I never met mm-hmm. because I heard his voice on a podcast and he told me his life story over basically, like, 100 hours of podcasts I heard him on. And then also, like, Analyze Fish is one of the best podcasts ever. Like, I, I love to it believe so it. much. It, it is a life journey. But it also, like, hurts it now that it's just, like... You hear him talking about the things that will kill him. Like that's what sucks. Like especially, I never heard the his interview with Pete Holmes. In it, he literally says, "The next time I would, if I I can't go back to heroin because it will kill me the next time I do it." And yeah, still gonna still gonna eat this marijuana caramel. Henry. I wonder if it's hard for. Oh, that sounds nice. I, I wonder it's if. Want to smell it? Because it totally smells mm-hmm. like pot. Okay. Yeah. Sea salt. Uh, Mm. Don't you think it, oh, sea salt caramel, man? If I didn't have to work tomorrow, uh, <laughs> but it's it's also something I, I said. I think I told you about it. The hmm. weird feeling of like when you record like on Mark Marin's WTF. <laughs> uh, do you know that like you should go in thinking if I die prematurely, this will be the last thing people hear me say, or everyone will listen to it the day I'm dead. Mm. Like mm. oh, I died this day. Now they're going to hear it again. And they're going to hear me, and if, like, you're, say, 
Harris Whittles joking about drug addiction or Robin Williams talking about about suicide. suicide. I got that beat. Did I tell you mine? Or Patrice O'Neill talking about the um, uh, diabetes that's going to kill him. Here's the other side of it. Mm -hmm. Um, After the SNL 40th anniversary... I went to. Uh, I just started going off like mainly Dennis Miller live HBO shows where he interviews his his former SNL castmates, oh. John Lovitz, Zena Carvey. Because that shit hasn't been on television in years. Uh-huh. And then I got to Dennis Miller's original syndicated show, a colossal failure on all accounts, as written about in the Mystery Science mm-hmm. Theater book. <laughs> and his interview with Bill Hartman. Bill uh. Hartman talks for on the same subject for about four minutes. About his wife, who would eventually kill him. Ooh, boy. <laughs> name checks and everything. Was it Bristol? I forget her name. Oof, um, boy. That is, it was hard seeing photos of his daughter the from the is. SNL thing. I'm just like, oh, boy, this must be really hard for you. And especially the, like, she, like, I just can't imagine, like, growing up. I bet it sucks to have your parents, one parent murder the other parent and then kill themselves. That's really probably hard. Well, I mean, but, but who are you going to uh, get mad at after that? There's no one left. That's where you gotta get rid of the evidence of all your crimes. Including you. Anyway, right, I'm trying to make dark. it funny, Henry. Yeah. No, I anyway, R.I.P. Whittles. Mm-hmm. Just wanna say, like, makes me sad. Uh, but uh, like he can live on through his podcast. Like. I have a solemn yeah. Alright. That was Harris Whittles. What about over. what you've been reading? Mm. I wanna get into it first because there's Motherfucker. A, a double dose of Spider Man. Spider Verse mm. officially ended this week. Oh, it, did it? Yeah, uh, the the um, finale book came out that was like the epilogue that wraps things up. It didn't have an earth-shattering consequence in it, but there were some interesting uh, tidbits that mm-hmm. happened in there, and one of uh, and and also though one of the weirdest things about Spider Verse is they kept having to like they knew there were three things that were like yeah, Secret Wars is coming, and we know it's coming, and this was just. The tip of the multiverse thing. Like, there was a moment where... This isn't too spoilery, but it was, like... Miles uh, says goodbye to Peter, and he's like... Man, me and you barely even got to hang out this time. And Peter says... I'm sure we'll see each other soon. <laughs> Which is, mm-hmm. like... though I Now, looking back on it, you see... I think it's easy to see... Oh, these two were kept apart because they're going to be doing a lot of hanging out in Secret Wars. I, oh, I was a little confused by that, because I'm guessing one of the things you read was Spider-Gwen. And I also read Spider-Gwen, which, which takes place right afterwards. It takes place right afterwards. But completely unrelated to it. But it is also... Marvel has been adamant, we have the 616 and the Ultimate Universe, and that's it. Mm-hmm. This is more. Well, this you know, is, they've always had alternate. I mean, Spider Verse is a tribute to how many alternate universes. Or zombies made is up. another universe, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and now Age of Ultron is a universe, and they're doing mm-hmm. Age of Ultron versus Marvel Zombies. Like that's going to be Jesus a Christ. Secret Wars related miniseries. Oh man, like, I will need all your codes, <laughs> Guy Tim, but, and uh, Sega Galactico gave me um, um, a uh, code for um, Gwen, Gwen, uh, Spider Gwen this week. Which I enjoyed, because I really, like, ever since that uh, Spider-Verse prelude, I love that issue. Yeah, it was a great, the like, idea that pilot. Peter, Peter Parker dies a la Gwen Stacy, and... And, and he's Gwen the is, Uncle Ben for her. Yeah, and Gwen, and Gwen is blamed for his death publicly, and, mm-hmm. mar- and then, I don't know, you read, you read the issue, though. I read the whole thing, it was... I liked how playfully it was mm-hmm. written, that was mm-hmm. a, one thing I really liked about uh, Jason Latour, is the writer, mm-hmm. who... 
I feel stupid for not realizing this before, but he's also the artist on Southern Bastards. Like, is Jason really? Latour is awesome. Like, Which he, you know, I have not read since, like, kind of the big moment. Yeah. No, I haven't read. I'm waiting for the next trade. Like, that's... I don't wait for trades with Southern Bastards. I gotta get back to that. Um, I wanted. To, I also wanted to thank uh, Cooper. He knows why. I think he works on that comic. He, If you go to last week's episode, oh, we were wondering we about We're gonna Inker. talk oh, about that, too. Okay, okay. Yeah. We're gonna talk about that. Spider-Gwen was cool. But yeah, Spider-Gwen was really cool. But I when, liked... when reading it and thinking about... Secret Wars and Marvels doesn't like other universes. It doesn't. It doesn't come out and say that it's a um, that it's an alter. Or, I mean, it is. A, that they, is sorry, that's a it's a limited issue run. No, it's it seems to be an ongoing. Seems like, to be an ongoing it, it, until they cancel it. It seems Which, to be an ongoing. And what, what number do they usually cancel at? Eh, in the twelve. In the twelve. Uh, yeah. There's not twelve issues before Secret Wars. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go with this, I gotta say. That, that just made me really curious. What exactly does this I mean? How mean, cataclysmic will it be if you're I, introducing new universe comics? I bet four issues will just play, take place during Civil or Secret mm. War. And I'll just be but like, yeah. it's, it, it's interesting. Yeah, no, she's really... I really... I What I like about her character is that she's different enough from Spidey in that she's, like, she's darker, she's more morose and like snarky, and also like she's younger, too, and... And it was nice to just see Gwen in, like, uh, the non-victim role. And just, she, uh, we'll talk about that she's a superhero spotlight this week. Spoilers. But, but the Gwen in the comics. <laughs> it's a nice sexy Spider-Man noise. Don't be jelly. Gwen in the comics was never that interesting, like, in her no. original iteration. She was just the hot girl. Like, or the girl next door. The hot girl next door and didn't have much going on. And so. Which this... maybe, I, I, like, I hate that, like, I lived in three different houses growing up. Never had a hot girl next door. I don't know anything about this. <laughs> but the, the Gwen... Did you, Henry? <laughs> no. The Gwen in, um, in Spider-Gwen, mm-hmm. she's, <clears throat> she's fighting with her dad. Mm-hmm. She is um, the drummer in a punk band. The Mary Janes. Jesus Christ. That she's kind of, And that Mary Jane is kind of like got a diva complex mm-hmm. going on. I, I'm interested in that. <laughs> I especially loved the, uh, <coughs> the Marvel Universe characters who populate... Different yes, avenues. So many awesome. I didn't expect that. that at all. Yeah, I don't want to spoil them, but there were a, a great number of like. And here's this guy. Like any Marvel character can just be. Yeah, it, they're all of the Marvel universe is there in Spider Gwen. They just mm-hmm. aren't necessarily themselves. Where, you, where you're used to them being. Yeah, I, I love. I'll just spoil that sort of. Not really, but like two of my favorite characters, Ben Grimm and Frank Castle, in a in in two. Similar positions, but could not be more different and barely touched upon. But I, I hope, I hope we get a little further into that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was. And it I was, love the look of Vulture. Holy shit, yeah. that looked really great. He looks like he looks like a human crane. I like that his little toes are out of mm-hmm. his booties too. Like that, it was really neat. And uh, yeah, I, I liked where Spider Gwen is going. I think it's also interesting that there are. I think I talked about this last week, but there, there are three concurrent Spider Woman comics and. Like, there was a funny line in Spider-Verse 15 where the current Spider-Girl decides she doesn't want to go back to the regular Marvel Universe because she Mm -hmm. says, she's like, no, I need to to help with the web and rebuilding the web. And then they say, and then Spider-Woman says, no, you should come back with us. We need you. And she's like, yeah, right. Everywhere I turn, there's a new Spider-Girl in Mm -hmm. that universe. Like, I'm needed here. And and she's right. Like, there are so many... There's Spider Woman, Silk, mm-hmm. and uh, like, <laughs> and like Madam Web, and and technically Spider Gwen though she's from another universe. Like mm-hmm. it's all, 
there's just a lot of spider ladies, and I like that. I, I talked about it last week. I like that. I'm, I'm interested to see where Silk goes. I saw also they say that Silk is Korean, that she's a Korean character, and I didn't even realize that. Huh. Like that her, she's Cindy Moon is her name, and that she, yeah, that then when you look, when you read Silk 1, you can see she has, like, the kind of stereotypical, like, um, tiger mom type mother uh, that you see of some, the stereotype of Asian moms, like, or Asian American moms. Uh, anyway, other books I read... Darth Vader 2? Yeah, that was fun, right? Darth Vader 1 and 2 were great. Like so, But I love that right. to, in order to make Darth Vader the central character, they have to give him some kind of conflict that does fit weirdly into the wonderful continuity that we've all imagined in between uh, it works great. New Hope and Empire and just his constant marginalization by Trag. Yeah, is, and that, like, number one, that he... Is it Trag? Am I, I believe it is Trag. Mm-hmm. And that, like, those two hated each other. Like, you already mm-hmm. have a set-up animosity that mm-hmm. was never followed up on in the movies. Mm-hmm. And then you also have, like, it doesn't follow that in The New Hope, in A New Hope, Darth Vader is partially responsible for the biggest screw-up in Empire history. <laughs> and that then by yeah. The Empire Strikes Back, he's in sh- he's, he's second in command to the Emperor. Yeah. So in between those two, the, like what well, the Darth Vader book feels like his rise to power. Yeah. And there's that great scene. There's the great scene where the Emperor is just like basically telling him, "You fucked up. Like you're, I'm demoting you. you. Do you, you know how Darth much Vader? we lost on a blown up Death Star? Yeah. Because what you built in a a flaw the size of a. Why would you do and that? You couldn't stop this idiot Why child. Why would like, you do that? And then also, Anakin. Vader try. I also like when Vader ah. tries to, like, say, Emperor. Why are you talking to this? Who are you even talking to? And the Emperor's like, Well, you think I'm going to tell you? Like, I, I'm the Emperor. I do what I want. I'm the Sith Lord here. Like, you're not the. I'm your boss. It's also weird in the second issue. Like a couple of those mobile turret gun, guns from the prequels just yeah. roll in and like I mean that tech is out there like well we know that by the established it. canon but I think part of the reason the prequels didn't work is because of the wild advancement of technology that seemed to happen in the past of Star Wars yeah. and when those things roll in even to the comic look wildly out of place they do yeah but, but, but it's nice to see them occupy a subtle place to where like the continuity is acknowledged yeah and I also like that um I, I that was another thing of doing mm-hmm. of, of how they do it better than George Lucas does. Mm-hmm. One of the things they did constantly in the prequels that seemed lame mm-hmm. was they'd have, hey, this is that scene from the first trilogy, but recontextualized a little, and history repeats itself, and all that stuff. Yeah, and it seemed really lame when Lucas did it, but when in the Vader book, Vader goes to Jabba's palace just as Luke did in Jedi. It's just awesome. Like, it's an awesome <laughs> scene, partially because you can see how he treats Jabba differently than Luke does. Yeah. When when Jabba ma- when he makes a commandment of Jabba, and Jabba says, ba- basically says, if you're trying to do a Jedi mind trick, they don't work on huts. So, <laughs> and then Vader says, I'm not a Jedi. I don't do dumb tricks. I choke people. And he just starts cho- doing the force <laughs> choke on him. That was a really cool That was scene. really cool. And the, I, the line track gave to him, too, is... As he's being introduced to Vader as his current subordinate, he's like, that lightsaber you hold, it's a giant, it's a big piece of an old relic that symbolizes power and conquest of the past and has no function unless someone with a great hand to wield it. I am the great hand. You are the antique. 
know your great. role. And I'm yeah. like, wow, I have, I've never heard anybody talk like this to Darth Vader before. Uh, well, I love him, like just Darth Vader trudging through bureaucracy. And he goes back to, and he, but Wonderful. he has to, and they set up, they were, mm. he has to respect him because the Emperor's mm. like, no, you listen to this guy. Like, I'm your boss, and now he's your boss. And, but, but that it's also kind of like, almost like, Vader is it, it a kind of this issue reminded me of the shield, not Ooh. the like the oh. Vic Mackey the shield. Thank you, thank God. Because he was he was doing undercover stuff in plain sight. He was like, I have to sneakily do this thing and get away with this, mm-hmm. but and and make it look like he's doing things Vic Mackey would do on the shield, but it's Darth Vader doing them. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's an interesting parallel, buddy. And lastly, that, like, I forgot that Vader is funny. Like, he's mm-hmm. a funny, sarcastic dick mm-hmm. in the movies, and people kind of forget that sometimes because he's, like, in the in comics, he's just, he's the scary antagonist who doesn't mm-hmm. even say all that much. But in the in the movies, he, he says things like, Death don't fail me a second time or like mm-hmm. we won't need this person anymore or the or the emperor isn't as forgiving as me yeah i guess There's, so he has never funny, contextualized us as funny he has like lilting sarcasm really which mm-hmm. is so strange to hear from james Earl jones and so that in this book in in especially in the second issue he has a lot of sarcastic shit like he's kind of pissy and just like <laughs> well i guess if you have to work on this i have other things to work on or or he says, well, oh, you, so you can't do anything better? He's like, I can always do something. <laughs> Fuck you. Like, it's it's a great look at Vader. Like, it's a different look at Vader. I enjoyed I enjoyed that just very much. I, I, can't, I still can't believe how much, like, that's rekindled my love of Star Wars. I was the most cynical Star Wars hater I could think of. And, well, but... And that they... That, by having no dumb George Lucasy bullshit in it, and they're just covering the era that I like and writing no! the characters well. Sorry, I had to look at the- what. <laughs> and writing the characters well, and having cool fan servicey adventures that aren't dumb, and that also these books are being just totally written for grown-ups. They're not written for children. I think children can still enjoy them because children enjoyed Empire Strikes Back, which is not kid-friendly. So good, but I, 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 like not much. I am altering the deal. Jesus, Pray I didn't I even press that. I didn't. Don't make me I didn't press you. that, Darth. All right, no more soundboard. See, pray I don't alter it any further. Like that's kind of a dick move. Like, yeah. or he also says like, uh, he, he's not worth anything to me dead. The Empire will pay you for the Empire will pay you back for it. Perhaps you think you're being treated unfairly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, get used to it. Ah, so great. Get used to it. Get used um, to it. Damn, yeah, I'm I'm very impressed with Marvel's treatment of <coughs> the Star Wars. We franchise. would love to have you for dinner. <laughs> That's such a, like he Vader has a theat- mm. Vader has a theatricality to him in the films that gets overlooked. Like he he likes to show off. He likes to be like. Yeah, I set up this trap for you. I trapped you. I'm Darth Vader. Like, he's, he doesn't, or he, <coughs> he enjoyed torturing the woman he didn't realize was his daughter. Mm. Or he likes scaring her with that torture droid. That's remember, it. Indeed. Remember that? Nope. The torture droid from New Hope. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, all right. That um, is basically just a sphere with a needle sticking out. I, I read it so much. What else? Because I got something that a good lead in to. Yeah. Holy shit, I finally picked up issue number two of uh, Star Trek versus Planet of the Apes. Mm. So good. And I, the, the last cover reveal sort of uh, made that clear, but 
Yes, hold on. How do I go through this quickly? For uh, Geeks probably know what I'm talking about. If you were wondering how these universes crossed over, uh, the Klingons have found a uh, portal into a different dimension and are doing some kind of arms deal with the <laughs> gorillas because obviously if you know the ending of Planet of the Apes, which is barely a fucking spoiler at this point, it was Earth all along. Uh, it was Earth in the future. Yeah. And we all know the future is more Starfleet. In our, so they make it clear that like, this is a different future than what Starfleet right, is. Because Starfleet couldn't happen if the Planet of the Apes happened. Yes. Like. So what that what that means, and I didn't realize this when I thought about the crossover, that Captain Kirk does get to meet up with uh, George Taylor, Charlton Heston's <laughs> character, and uh, they do. And Dana Gould, like Dana Gould's one of my favorite comedians ever. Period. Yep. Try to get him on the show a bunch. Thanks. Thanks for ignoring me, Dana. No, but uh, um, <laughs> the voice of Gex, uh, he is one of my favorite comics. He, in my opinion, has the best comic. Uh, podcast period and at the end of every one of these comics he has an essay and he's like I hope you realize this is the stark contrast even though Star, Star Trek and Planet of the Apes came out relatively very close to one another yeah. but how different they are That's that, that Star Trek is this pure fucking optimism of the future and Planet of the Apes is the exact opposite <laughs> You are so doomed and so fucked, and you will destroy everything you love. And that's so You'll the all opposite. kill each other, and they'll have to start over. Yeah, like, so like, why, seeing Kirk confront Charlton Heston, and he's like, we've got to stop these mad apes. I'm sorry, that's prime directive. It's, <laughs> they have to talk about whether that qualifies in other, in other universes. We can't interfere with the evolution of this of this wow. timeline or this species. Like, are you mad, man? <laughs> we must, so that, that fuck, Charlton Heston and, and Kirk are opposed to one another. And uh, that's great. This, that is, is great. this for me is like the comic event of the fucking century. I'm <laughs> so happy about it. Uh, that is awesome. Well, and then one last thing I read was Thor Annual Number 1 it came out. The CM Punk one? It is a CM Punk book, yes. But it, it's more than that. It's it's three short stories. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, annuals ain't what they used to be. I remember when I when I was a kid, mm-hmm. you'd get a 64-page annual. This annual is like 10 pages longer. Like, and But they're all inconsequential stories, but mm-hmm. they're cute. Like one is, One's by Jason Aaron. And it takes place, uh, it starts future Thor, the Thor of like a long, long time in the future. The cover wasn't Lady Thor when I saw this. Well, there were multiple covers to it, but like, Mm. so there was, there was old Thor, there's an old store Thor for for a third of it. Then there's... (laughs) Old store Thor-y. Is that hard to say? Old store Thor-y? Yes. Yeah. Uh, And then, (laughs) and then... The it's second story is old as time. Then the second story is uh, about current Thor, the mm-hmm. the woman. It's actually written by the uh, the creator of Lumberjanes, Noel's. Which I've been meaning Stevenson. to look in. Look it's into a reading. good book. Yeah. It's a good book. It seems whenever you go to the comic store, it seems it you can see it getting more real estate in terms of like mm-hmm. merchandise and art. What yeah. am I missing out on? It's a cool book. It's a cool book, and and she. It was interesting for her to write Thor, and it was like a scene. Yeah, Noel Stevenson. Just wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that was right. But, uh, but yeah, it was a cool scene of of just uh, the Warriors three were just like you're not Arthur. Mm-hmm. Arthur would have done this. Arthur would have done that. And she says, "Well, I don't need to prove myself to you, but I also like showing off. So I'll just do all this stuff and prove I can do the things Thor did, the old Thor did." And it's just a neat uh, like kind of just hangout thing, uh, hangout story with cool art on it too. And then last is. It's a young Thor, like in the like 200 AD or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, young Thor, just how young? 
well, he's supposed to be basically like a teen, a punk teen Thor. And that's the CM Punk one. And it's it's a weird joke story. Like, mm-hmm. it's... <laughs> By being honest, like it's kind of the weakest story of the three. It's not a bad story. It's good. It's good. Look, for a guy who'd never published a comic book before, mm-hmm. I thought it was very good. But it, um, I think the weirdest thing about it to me was, as a fan of the pro wrestler CM Punk, mm-hmm. who, is, who is famously straight edge and has never had a drink in his life, the story is about a drinking contest. And like, mm-hmm. Thor... Thor is getting drunk every page. Oh, Henry, you're in trouble. CM Punk's coming out. No, leave me alone, CM Punk. Please sign my t-shirt. I heard everything you said about my... I can't do a CM Punk impression. Uh, It was just weird to see the straight-edge superstar... But his story is all about drinking. It's it's Thor getting in a drinking contest with Mephisto. Um, whenever you talk about my drinking, I find it infuriating because you're the closest thing in my life to straight edge. Uh-huh. Uh, so I can find that being kind of maddening and insincere if yeah, that's what he decides to focus but on. But he's not like making fun of drinking. No, he's but he's like, probably treating it like some like the same way Star Trek would treat a glowing orb of like this thing that can take over your soul from the instant you touch it. And, well, he definitely makes a point at the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm spoiling it, sorry. Mm-hmm. But look, it was it was just a cute little jokey mm-hmm. comic. Like I was surprised that he did such a jokey thing out of all possible stories he could have done. Uh, but yeah, who was the artist on that one? It was uh, Rob Galori, who I believe worked on um, uh, The Legend of uh, Brandon Stroud, I think it was. The... Luther Strode, yeah. Luther Strode. Oh, the artist? Sorry. Brandon Stroud is the is the uh, wrestling writer at Jesus. Uproxx. Um, there's some quick news to cover, too. Oh, man, I got one I wanted to share with you. If, in case, Let's see if we have an overlap. All right. Because this ties into something that happened last Sunday. Let me quickly... Uh, was, well, there was the Aquaman. Oh, no, you no. See? This, this is tying in with the Oscars. All right. Because I didn't see that, but then I've told you guys a billion times if I've told you once. Mm. Follow James Gunn on every social media platform you can because he's one of the most... I saw, the, I saw this Reddit thing you were talking he's about. He's one yeah. of the most honest people in the universe and like just so ultra-sincere about everything. He writes... These enormous paragraphs about things that you would think are meaning. I love James Gunn. Like, just mm. following him. And so on Facebook, he watched the Oscars and, like, really took issue with them making fun of and marginalizing superhero movies and decided to write about it. Oh, and, and that's I thought, really cool. I thought that was really cool. And I, I didn't see the opening with Neil Patrick Harris. I, yeah. I'm sure it was a lavish musical number. But yeah. I was busy watching Goldust and Stardust in the cab on the way there. Uh, but he, he said, like, I think someone had written at that point, was the first of many jabs at the superhero genre, which yeah. took away no Oscars, not even in visual categories or makeup, which is kind of a shame. Maybe maybe the Hollywood elite are tired of superheroes. Like, that's, that's, that's fine. That's... It's populist entertainment, and I do like that the Oscars reward things that probably would just go away and have to be slowly rediscovered. Mm-hmm. Movies like Boyhood and Birdman. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, whatever. Grand Budapest didn't need to win the award that the Marvel movies were nominated in. I forget what it was. Um, but he wrote James, this is what James Gunn wrote on his Facebook about the Oscars uh, throwing jabs at superhero movies the truth is popular fare in any medium has always been snubbed by the self-appointed elite uh, I've already won more awards than I ever expected for Guardians so what bothers me slightly is that so many people assume because you make big films that you put less love care and thought into them uh, than people who make independent films or people who make what are considered more serious Hollywood films 
I have made B-movies, independent films, children's movies, horror films, and gigantic spectacles. I find there are plenty of people everywhere making movies for a buck or to feed their own vanity. And then there are people who do what they do because the, uh, they love storytelling. They love cinema, and they want to add back to the world some of the same magic that they've taken from the works of others. In all honesty, I do not find a strikingly different percentage of those with integrity and those without working um, within any of these films fields of film. I may have misread that. Uh, if you think people who make superhero movies are dumb, come out and say we're dumb. But if you, if you as an independent filmmaker or a serious air quotes filmmaker think you put more love into your characters than the Russo brothers do Captain America or Joss Whedon does the Hulk or I do a talking raccoon, you are simply mistaken. Boom! Yeah. I, I liked how he could show off his stripes of like, yeah, I made an indie movie too. Yeah, and I, you guys didn't care. No, but yeah, I made, I made B, I made... Like the best B movie, like a modern Evil Dead. That's yeah. what that's what Squirm is. Yeah, it's like, fucking great. Yeah, and I like, love that movie. We Dave and I this week our stream uh, because a game called Roundabout came out. It's a weird game about a spinning limo, but it shoots things in a B movie shell, and it's on Xbox One. So we decided to do Loco Cycle, and James Gunn for like no other reason than he like kind of likes making weird stories with his friends. I think right before he became the biggest director in the universe is the main villain of Loco Cycle, this weird fucking game <laughs> with a bunch of other trauma people in it. That is great. And it's awesome. So uh, check that out on youtube.com slash laser time network. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm cool with James Gunn being defensive about it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but okay, but so the Aquaman thing, there was the uh, Zack Snyder showed off with the Aquaman. Was that last outfit. week? Yeah, it was just Damn, last week. It was like, like months it, ago all this happened. <laughs> Did a lot uh, of it, masturbating it, today. Oh boy! Sorry, buddy. Uh, so, and it is like tough guy. Basically, looks like um, nothing like Aquaman, and I think that's the point. Like, mm-hmm. though we knew that when they hired Jason Moma, mm-hmm. uh, but that Cal Drogo, I believe, is his character. Yeah, I don't but, love it yet, but I like. I do like Aquaman a great deal. Yeah, but he's got like dirty clumps of hair, mm-hmm. and like he's he uh, his. The orange uh, suit has mm-hmm. been replaced with just uh, something that looks like it would keep a person underwater until they drown. Well, and <laughs> chainmail, chainmail, um, tribal tats mm-hmm. like that. But I, I kind of like that look. I know I am one of the most negative people mm-hmm. on the Man of Steel universe, and I definitely wasn't the biggest fan of the Wonder Woman's like super dark outfit, but. I really like the look of Aquaman's outfit, though, Ben. If they just call him Orin, like that one thing s- <laughs> says, that's gonna be lame. I want to read more Aquaman, though. Oh God damn it! The new Batman came out today. I didn't, just didn't uh, read it yet. Uh, and then there was also um, industry insiders are saying they, that Miles Morales being the new huh. next Spider-Man is realer than it seems. Holy shit! Was that needlessly controversial? Yeah, I mean, it's just so people... Well, somebody did say, because like, I, I kept seeing that brought up, and I, what I noticed it, because another great uh, comic personality to follow is, is Dan Slott on Twitter. Oh, yeah, I because saw He went, he he went, went off on it. Yeah. He went, it was great. And I'm like, well, is this... I see a bunch of places reporting this, but it was one place he's like, my sources say 100%, like 95% chance... Spider-Man will not be white. Period. Yeah, that's period. what the that's not what Dan Slott said. That's no, what he didn't. He didn't just like, but that's said. that's where it comes from. It yeah. all came from that. Yeah. Uh, and I don't. I, I, again, you could take that with a grain of salt, but whatever. Like, I don't particularly care either way. Yeah, I don't care either way, and it would definitely shake things up. Like to have a third Peter Parker in ten years mm-hmm. is a lot of Peter Parkers. So it would at least be different if it was Miles Morales. But I still, I still hold what I said before, which is. 
I don't think Marvel would work so hard to get back Spider-Man and have him not be Peter Parker. Well, did you see the interview with Donald Glover on the Today Show? No. Um, should I look that up? Sure. Why? We could hear that on the uh, after the break. All right. Oh, I did read one more thing, and I feel like I lucked out mm. because I didn't realize what I was getting into. Uh, I was try. I was. I wanted to read Endgame, and for some reason, last night at like fucking three in the morning, I'm like, maybe they'll update the comic store for Wednesday at <laughs> three in the morning. Not the case. I've been able to confirm. Um, and so I just, oh, I haven't read Batman sixty six in a while, and I'm like, ooh, Batman goes to Japan. I'll take it. Ah, he's fighting what? Deathman, Lord Deathman, Death which yeah. is the greatest name of all time, yep. and is um. He I was like, "Who the fuck is Lord Deathman? Holy shit!" Did you look into that? I did, uh, and yeah. that was that was super awesome. Interesting answer there. Yeah, is that it's somebody that stems from the manga uh, written there was in Japan a, in the sixties? Yep, I I have the they collected the manga and I have mm-hmm. it, and yeah, they 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 I I wonder if it was because just the Adam West show is relatively popular mm-hmm. in Japan, and then they just make a manga for it, and like he fights crazy. Crazy Japanese characters like Lord Deathman also appeared in. It appeared. Um, it, he appeared in Morrison's books because he. He did yes. Because Grant Morrison this. wrote his run on Batman. Mm-hmm. The the unstated fact was all Batman stories were continuity. Mm. He would just make it work. He's like, nope, every Batman adventure happened. I'll make it work in as good a way as I can, but they all happen. Well, the the, con- the continuity also seems to stem from like Deathman appeared first in America. And when they were making the Bat Manga, there was like this line of like, I am Lord, I am Deathman. And the wonderful Japanese took that as Lord Deathman, which is a hilarious, hilarious name. Uh, And and that came out a little while after, and they used him a little more frequently. And that within the last 10 years, America has just decided to embrace Lord Deathman, who can use secret yoga to make himself appear dead. Yep. It's... it's (laughs) It's an impressive guy. Yeah, I've, I I haven't read this sixty six. Have I you not read that this. at all? It's no, I've so read much fun. I read sixty six. I love so it, but fun. I haven't read the most recent one. It's so much fun. Uh, I want to finish Endgame. Thank you, Landon, again for getting me uh, hooked on Endgame. Oh, and just two other news things was that uh, Viola Davis like confirmed uh, at the Oscars that she is Amanda Waller. She like, confirmed at the Oscars. Yeah, she was at the Oscars, and somebody asked her like, "Say, hey, are you this in Suicide Squad?" Oh yeah, I didn't yeah. tell you. Oh yeah, it's totally me. <laughs> well, because um, and Ryan Seacrest was like. What? <laughs> because Margot Robbie and Will Smith are in a movie together, they've been talking a lot about Suicide Squad. Yeah. That uh, is weird that they're both in a new movie coming in. Well, it's one of those things you read about behind the scenes in mm-hmm. films is that like they might be a package deal. They might have the same like agent or something mm-hmm. who says, well, if you're going to hire X, you should get Y. Like I work for both these people. Uh, and then there was late-breaking news today that Two of my favorite writers and wonderful married couple, Kelly Sudaconic mm-hmm. and Matt Fraction, have made a TV deal. Like they have their own production company now, and have made a deal to like start working on TV shows. Which and uh, there could be a sex criminal show. I kind of hope so. I kind of hope not. It'd be a Showtime show if it existed. That's and that's sort or of or the best show Cinemax has ever had. <laughs> uh, sex criminals, if you don't know, are people who have who un- uncover magic superpowers when they mm. fuck. And there's a magic fuck stream, uh, stream a few people can enter into. And I love the, time stops. I love the idea of thinking of a TV show about that where, like, people who complain about having to get into, like, Hellboy makeup and zombie makeup had the same story. So, God, another 
fuck scene. God. <laughs> They're the most uncomfortable and... But also, like, I just asked the producer, like, why don't I just wear a skirt all the time? Then I don't have to do constant pants-taking-down scenes. Look, you're paying for the waxing on my legs if I have to show that much. Though also, for sex criminals to be legitimate, they need, like, full frontal male nudity, which is, like, you still don't see all that much in stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, like you need to see this guy's glowing wiener. That's part love, of his character. I love the glowing wiener in that, that, yeah. that reveal in the first like, issue. Hey, Check thingy, that out, by the way. Your is glowing. That's weird. But, all right. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, a superhero spotlight on Gwen Stacy, your answers to last week's question of the week, and more silliness. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the break for episode 126 of Cape Crisis. And I want to thank all you guys, as always, for listening to the show. Your support uh, makes it all worth it. I always love reading the comments, any reviews and all that stuff. And also, like, just tweets at me, like, H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G on Twitter. Again, you know, I should just slip that in there. But, uh, yeah, I love getting tweets. Like, I I just got a great tweet reply to me today saying, like, hey, thanks for alerting me to... um, the unbeatable squirrel girl. I'm loving it. Like that's that stuff like that makes this all worth it. It really is. It really is great. And then, uh, but you know, if you want to help us out in other ways, you can go to lasertimepodcast.com, and on that site, you'll see a bunch of little buttons. There's a PayPal button that you could just donate if you want to just you know put a little money in the tip jar, or if you you know if your parents are crazy rich and you just have ten thousand dollars to give away, maybe do that too. I don't know. Uh, but you can do that through PayPal, or you can buy a T-shirt off the T-shirt store. That's right. Uh, there's a link to that right beneath the PayPal. Also on the right side of the screen, there's a bunch of links to Amazon. Now you don't need to buy what we're suggesting on Amazon, though I think we have pretty good taste. Uh, but if you don't uh, just buy anything through those links, a little bit of money comes our way, no extra cost to you, and it's a good way to help out the show and keep things going for free. Um, also. Uh, again, let me remind you guys, go to iTunes. Please be subscribing. Subscriber numbers and downloads really help us out. And uh, also, if you have not reviewed us yet, please, please review the show if you haven't yet. I, I know we've gotten a lot of reviews, and they've all been great, great, great help. But if you haven't reviewed it yet, please check that out and do so. And now, lastly, it's time for the Hanks Corner Pick of the Week. Now, look, I've talked up Scalped before on this show, and, and it is... A beloved book. I love Scalp so much. It is basically The Sopranos, but set on a Native American reservation in North Dakota. And, and, and it has, like, you know, seedy crime and and, and, and casinos and FBI and, and all this interesting stuff. It is such a great noir book. And it, one of the best things Vertigo has published in a very long time. I love that series. But uh, why I'm bringing up this time is because the it's now getting a fancy special edition hardcover reprint. Uh, so you could you could get the soft cover editions, which are great ways to read it. But if you really wanted to step it up and be fancy, you could get the hardcover edition. Volume one just came out, collecting the first eleven issues, and the series is done. So you can read it from beginning to end. You don't have to wait like you're doing with say Saga or or whatever. Like you can just. 
read it from beginning to end right now and it is an amazing amazing read so you can get the first volume there's a link to it on this week's episode right on the page uh by it's written by jason aaron of thor and southern bastards fame like it was his first big breakout hit i again can't stress enough how how much i love the book scalp and you can pick up the first volume through uh our link on the page for this week's episode on lasertimepodcast.com check that out and now back to the rest of the show We're back, everybody, to episode 126. I have to stop thinking the words a dinosaur story every time someone says we're back. If you do seven podcasts a week, you can't think like that. Because I just had to fight the urge to yell it again, and I know I've done it twice this week. Twice. I I often feel embarrassed for um, comedians when Mm -hmm. I listen to them on too many podcasts, and it's like... Now you've told this story. This anecdote of your life was on this other podcast. I've heard it before, guys. That's how it happens, man. I gotta stop talking this tube, too. Yeah, that uh, that, pro- that not might not be the most listenable thing for the audience. I'm Saul Goodman uh, in the latest episode of Better Call Saul. You're spoiling the Better Call Saul for everybody. What? Yeah. All right. So this week's in honor of Spider Gwen is mm. Gwen Stacy, and collect your hero. Oh, yeah, the Super Spotlight. Now Woo. you may begin. There we go, yeah. Um, so you'd think for a character who died five years after premiering, <laughs> there wouldn't be a ton of stuff to say about her, but there actually is, like, a surprising amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a lot of cases, thanks to uh, either alternate versions of her or backstory filling in that was a mistake, like some of it mm-hmm. bad. But so let's go back to where she first appeared. It was an amazing Spider-Man 31, created by Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. It was one of the, uh, well, not one of the last Steve Ditko issues, but he was done by 38. So that he, long ago. he was getting, and, and one of the craziest things in old Amazing Spider-Man was, that a lot of people don't remember, mm. that Spider-Man sped through high school. That if they were doing it now, he would have stayed, it's how they did it in Ultimate Spider-Man. Like, yeah. no, he never leaves high school. Like, yeah. He, but they were like... Man, he's been in high school for 23 issues. Get him to college. Yeah. Like it, they sped it up too fast. Mm. And so, but when he gets to college, that's where he meets Harry Osborn and Gwen Stacy. And huh. he just kind of passes by these people like I believe the first scene is uh, Flash Vava Voom. Who is that broad Norman? No, Flash Tom- <laughs> Flash Thompson's in is is in, in the same college and he mm. says you know what? I'm going to start on a new leaf with Peter. Hey, Pete, look at these two fri- new friends of mine. And Peter is like deep in thought thinking, how am I going to beat this guy? I can't do it. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to go into the Gwen Stacy. No, he couldn't. He ignores them. Mm-hmm. And then Gwen Stacy is like, something's intriguing about that mm-hmm. guy. Though Gwen Stacy's look didn't really, like she was just a blonde lady. Like Ditko wasn't that interested in drawing Gwen Stacy. Mm. I got the feeling. Like Same with... When he had to draw hot ladies, like, he wasn't the best at it. Like, he's not... If you look at his men or his women, they're not attractive features. They're actually, like, kind of weird spindly people with odd cheekbones. Like, 
that was his thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I loved about it. Like, that's what makes the Spider-Man so special and different from Jack Kirby. That Spider-Man is a weird, skinny guy who puts his arms akimbo in mm-hmm. odd ways. But then, as I mentioned, like, Ditko left. Mm-hmm. John Romita, now John Romita Sr. because his son is a big deal in comics, too. John Romita takes over. And he is a guy who came from doing romance comics mm. and he oh. really gets into mm-hmm. Gwen Stacy and at the same time I want to draw this blonde lady at the same time Stan Lee is upping the romance angle I mm-hmm. think partially because Steve Difko I don't think was into love triangles mm-hmm. but that's just the kind of melodrama that Stan Lee loves and due to the dated polling of um, physical comics in the 1960s uh, <laughs> their data returned that they had one female reader <laughs> well that this was this was an interesting point I saw that Chris Sims made, mm-hmm. uh, the, the great Chris Sims at Comics Alliance, that yeah, he said great. Uh, a great thing that, uh, that Marvel took into account was that people don't realize. Marvel, you know, wanted to have, it, it, their books were so modern in, mm-hmm. in the 60s, but they also took their skills from the monster and romance comics they did in the 50s. Mm-hmm. So you had monsters like Ben Grimm or troubled teens mm-hmm. who didn't have all the answers like Spider-Man. And then you also had the romance comic mm. element. Like they'd been these artists and writers, Stanley and Jack Kirby, chief among them, spent the fifties writing romance and monster stuff. So mm-hmm. then when they just because they're working on superheroes, they just brought those skills to it. And the love triangle between Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane, and Peter Parker mm-hmm. is a perfect example of that. And like at the time, if you read those comics, like mm-hmm. up until about issue one hundred and ten Gwen Stacy is his beloved. Like, that's who he's supposed to be with. She's a perfect girl. And Mary Jane's the party girl in the background. She's having just fun. She's flirting with everybody. She's and But she still has she still had a significant presence in the comics. Yeah, oh, Mary point. Jane was there all the time. Well, they were Betty and Veronica mm. and, 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 and Peter was Archie. Mm. There were also a lot of weird scenes where Mary Jane would just go like she she had a lot more character than Gwen. That's another mm-hmm. thing against Gwen that she was the most she had to do was like when she was grieving for somebody like when her father died when and she was the daughter of captain stacy who was a friendly police officer that knew secretly knew peter parker was spider-man and helped him out and when he died mm-hmm. partially due to the accidental death from from doc ock when he died she like grieved but she didn't even grieve for that long it was really like protracted and she just didn't have all that interesting stuff to her well meanwhile like mary jane she wanted to have fun she had these weird scenes where like hey there's a party everywhere listen to the music on the radio and then she just starts dancing and it's so weird that she just starts dancing in her living room and then her her aunt her aunt anna just goes Oh, Mary Jane, you're so weird. You're such a you're such a great cookie gal. Spirit. So then, so yeah, it was Gwen. Pretty much, Peter picked Gwen. Mm -hmm. Like, and they were just together, or he didn't. And it was getting kind of boring at at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And so, then you cut to um, Amazing Spider-Man 120, and and this actually like I this goes back to actually the first. One of the first comics I ever got signed was by John Romita Sr. And it was at... Where? uh, It was at a... uh, An Atlanta Comic Con. Not Dragon Con? No. No, this... uh, But it was was at this Atlanta Comic Con, and I had Amazing Spider-Man 365. And in it, John Romita wrote and drew 
a tribute to Gwen Stacy. And it's because he was the guy who suggested they kill Gwen Stacy. Mm. And he's always regretted it because he loved the character and he thought it was too mean to do to her. And the story is all about the life of Gwen Stacy as told by Mary Jane. And Mary Jane is so sad that she's gone. Mm -hmm. And so... You have all these flashbacks to Gwen, and you can tell John Romita Sr. loves drawing Gwen, and he he was very, he was like, oh, you read this Gwen story. It's one of my favorites. Like, that's what he said to me when he signed it back in 1992. Jesus. And so that was, a, and, and but he, I think he feels guilt for it. Like, he was the guy who suggested, well, this will be crazy. Like, we'll kill his girlfriend. Nobody kills girlfriends mm. of superheroes back then. The supervillain doesn't, and, like, the Green Goblin does it. And... And it's seen by many, like Amazing Spider-Man 121 when that happens, mm-hmm. uh, written by Gary Conway, uh, art by Gil Kane and, and John Romita, it's seen as the end of the Silver Age, like the death of innocence. Like this mm-hmm. was, she was an icon of the Silver Age and definitely her death in the Marvel's uh, miniseries by Kurt Busiek and Alex Ross, it is exactly treated as the end of the Silver Age. Like mm-hmm. that is what it metaphorically is. And so... It was just it in you look back on it now, it's kind of cheesy. And it also makes it sad that like the character of Gwen Stacy is fated to die when she appears and stuff. Like when they cast Emma Stone, I was like, Well, she's gonna die in the second one, man. Like, duh, like obviously. And then they released images of her in that outfit Gwen Stacy wears when she dies. Like it it was so clear. The end was coming early for Emma Stone. And so, but anyway, see, so yeah, Gwen dies, and I had seen people even argue that like she's a better, she's a better martyr for for Peter than Uncle Ben because mm-hmm. like uh, Peter screwed up that one time so earlier in his career. Uncle Ben was this old guy. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Well, meanwhile, Peter, when he should have known better, screwed up and like his arch villain killed her and that's something you can feel way more guilty about than just a random robber shoots Uncle Ben it's interesting pointing it out that way because it's like Spider-Man has his Batman moment with Uncle Ben the thing that drives him to be Spider-Man and Gwen Stacy is definitively the moment that makes him to not not want to be Spider-Man it's one of the things he always tells himself like I shouldn't be Spider-Man yeah or the things here's the thing here's one of the reasons I shouldn't be doing this Mm mm-hmm and and also in that story too is when Norman Osborn died like they killed him as like he can't stay alive he can't get away with this and go back to jail he has to die for killing Gwen Stacy and he actually stayed dead for a very long time what does that mean in Marvel comics in Marvel comics he stayed dead for 20 years that's and, a long time and like there that's... were many times they could have brought him back and they mm-hmm. didn't do it well, meanwhile, Gwen Stacy, like, they still haven't brought her back. Not the not the Gwen Stacy. No. Not 616. They've never brought her back. Or how they brought her back in the Ultimate line. Sorry, that's just yeah. fresh well, in my mind. And when they brought her back in the Ultimate line, like, it was like she was also meant to die there, too. Like, yeah. when her character dies in Ultimates, like, this was a while ago. No big spoiler there. But, mm-hmm. like, Brian Michael Bendis even said in interviews, like, well, yeah, this was supposed to happen. Like, like it's Gwen Stacy. What did you expect? It, did, it didn't. And they were living in the same house at the same time. <laughs> Insane. Yes. Or very, in true anime style. Also, they missed... <laughs> the love of your life is living in the room next door. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, after her death, she just became this, like... For one thing, Mary Jane, like, kind of just become... Just starts dating Peter immediately. And it, mm-hmm. it becomes a big story point of, like... 
they get together. Like they get to have a closer friendship and the and the writer made it very clear, like, oh no, this is the start of their relationship. He wanted Peter with Mary Jane and felt they were a better they were a better matchup. Though I've always taken issue with people writing it of like, no, Gwen was his true love, he's settling for Mary Jane. Like if if Gwen didn't die, he wouldn't have picked Mary Jane. And that's that's kind of a shitty situation to stick Mary Jane in. Like, um, but meanwhile, like, they kept bringing her back in some ways, like, not too long after her death, mm-hmm. like, just two, three years after, she gets cloned. Like, Gwen Stacy shows up, and they're like, Gwen is back, and it turns out it's a clone of her, and then there's the Spider-Man clone, and it's crazy. Like, <laughs> things go crazy, especially that they then write off that the clone is like, oh no, there's this Gwen Stacy clone... And she just exists, and she's not going to die, but she's she can't be around Peter, and and they can't have Gwen storyline wise. They know they can't have Gwen Stacy hanging around mm-hmm. because she's dead, and she can't, and she also can't be there in the story. It, it cheapens her death, so she moves to so she moves to France and goes under the name Joyce Delaney. Like and then, so, then it became this running joke for Spider-Man fans to joke with each other, like. Oh well, yeah, and then there's that other Gwen Stacy named Joyce Delaney who lives in France. Mm. She's just hanging out. But Spider-Man should think of that sometimes when he's sad about Gwen Stacy. Of like, oh, but there is another Gwen Stacy. She's over there. I guess maybe I shouldn't be that. <laughs> uh, but though that, now that character has since been killed. <laughs> well, really, that was like a, that was a long, like loose thread that just mm-hmm. needed to be tied off, and then came the meanest thing they ever did to her posthumously, which was the Sins Past story. Not familiar with uh, that, Henry? It was J. Michael Straczynski, w- during his run on Amazing Spider-Man, starting in issue 509 to 514, did a storyline called Sins Past, mm-hmm. which seemed to imply that Gwen Stacy was back. But what it really was that the children of Gwen Stacy were back, who somehow had aged, who should have been five, were now in their 20s, one looked exactly like Gwen. One looked exactly like Peter. Seemingly what? implying Peter had had kids with Gwen Stacy. Which seemed to be where they were going. But somebody... Uh, the behind the scenes thing is that apparently somebody had... Uh, didn't like the idea of Peter Parker having kids. So they wrote it that Norman Osborn basically roofied like had a special roofie uh. gas and tricked Gwen into having sex and then he had the kids or she had his kids Gabriel and Sarah who then had aged faster because of the goblin formula like it's crazy like so not only do they write up that she like got like Mm-hmm. She was assaulted by, by by Norman Osborne, the guy who would later kill her. Like, the, then she has these kids that are just hanging around. Like, these characters just exist, and they kind of... Marvel, again, has to pretend they don't exist because it's stupid. <laughs> like, uh, they should have just been completely gotten rid of in Brand New Day. Uh, and then, so that brings us to today, where there is still no Gwen Stacy. Mm-hmm. They threatened to bring her back during the Brand New Day thing. She would have been 70 years old this well, week. when they did Brand New Day, they brought back Harry Osborn Because mm-hmm. him being dead wasn't useful anymore. Like, they needed to have him back as a supporting character. And they thought of doing the same to Gwen Stacy, but somebody put their foot down. of like, 
We can't undo Gwen Stacy. That'd be the same as undoing Uncle Gwen. That's or Uncle Uncle, <laughs> Uncle Gwen. That's a good name for another comic after uh, Battle World. Uh, it'd be too big, Uncle but Gwen. but there's still been a number of be played by Jeffrey Tambor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but there's still been a number of Gwen uh, alternate universe ones, including <laughs> one in, in House of M. Who like was married to mm. married to Peter Parker and one in Age of Apocalypse too, which was really crazy. And now there's Spider Gwen, who is totally re is changing the rules on what Gwen Stacy can be. Mm-hmm. Well, changing the rules. I don't know how many more, how many alt world comics are there right now currently mm-hmm. in Marvel. What regularly published? Not yeah. that many. No, I, I don't know. I don't have a number. <laughs> and you're not the mic. I'm sorry. I don't have a number. Look, I had to lean over and scratch my ankle. It it itched. All right. And so that is the Superhero Spotlight. Collect your hero. All right. So this uh, brings us to the question of the week segment. Mm -hmm. And uh, the last week's question of the week was, do we know about things too early? And uh, there's too many spoilers out there. And so... Uh, quick ones were we got annual gift man who lives on the moon said some of uh, some of this comes down to self-discipline and I speak for myself when I say I haven't fully adjusted Mm. from being a nerd on the schoolyard trading distant rumors about comics and video games to the current hyper-connected world (laughs) where comics are more widely respected as art I mean there is something bizarre about Marvel storylines leaking to the public months before the issues post and whereas a show like Gotham, mm-hmm. here's the Joker, he'll be on next week. Kept it <laughs> under wraps forever and like prom- was able to like spoil that bit of it like uh, a week before, less than yeah. a week before the show aired. Why do comics comics news get leaked that many months beforehand? Yeah, I like I've said before, I think it's the commercialism aspect. Like they have to, you got to pre-order those comics three months ahead of time, so they got to tell you what's in them to some degree. I don't know. You can't just start publishing. Like it'd be cool to just show up like. Oh, there's a new Spider. There's Spider Gwen number one. Awesome! Mm. But now you know about it three months in advance. Like, I suppose. Uh, Batman boy said, "I do think we learn a bit far in advance." Yeah, for the last few years since Siege or so, it's felt like a never-ending slew of event after event after event, with few actually satisfying me from either Marvel or DC. Mm. Plus, it seems to screw around with other books that need as they need to tie in, and doesn't help my feelings on the matter either. So. Yeah, it's it's hard to care about some events when you know the next event is coming. Like, why should I care about Infinity when I know Age of Ultron's coming, or vice versa? Uh, Fearless Raven says, Actually, as much as I hate how early a lot of these things are announced, I think the bigger problem lies with how long they last and the lack of congruity between yeah. all, all of them. They should not last as long as they do. Original Sin went from April to sep- September. That's crazy. In the middle of that, they had three other major That's Marvel crazy. Universe shaping events happening, and none of them fed into each other at all. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Hitler Me This Batman says, <laughs> um, even if you avoid spoilers and trailers, it's so easy to accidentally learn everything about an upcoming game, movie, or comic just from Facebook headlines. True. We'll never have that experience of Sam Jackson coming out of fucking nowhere at the end of Iron Man again. I knew that was happening. Oh, he also says, <laughs> uh, can you imagine if they kept the Spider-Man reveal a secret? Mm-hmm. Never. It wouldn't happen. It couldn't happen. People want to share it too much. 
they know the they know the views on those news stories would be too big. Uh, Jeffrey Dolly Lommer says, uh, I agree with everyone that knowing too much going in can really ruin the reading experience. That said, most of my friends and coworkers are not into his comics as much as I am, so I don't have anyone to really share my excitement after a new development. Uh, these days, I'm glad that there's usually a million of review articles and spoilers online day one. There's nothing worse than putting down an awesome book and not being able to that share your true. joy because no one you know has read it. I need to tell because I get I am super worried about spoiling things for myself and especially other people. So I don't <laughs> write these things up sometimes, but it is a place where we should be able to discuss stuff. Yeah, right when it happens. Yeah, I always feel I feel bad sometimes tweeting like. I, it's, if I had a boss who cared yeah. about money, he'd say it was an asshole, and I'd be in a lot of trouble. But that I can make that decision. And lastly, Type 40 Blog said, I don't mind knowing the broad strokes of what is coming, but mm. I avoid the details. I don't read previews, but I know about the big events coming. I don't mind... Uh, I don't mind it as I think it is about enjoying the journey, even if you know the destination. Thinking about... Knowing the reveal for the Joker and the recent issues of uh, Batman uh, didn't in any way detract from my enjoyment of reading in depth in the issue mm-hmm. of the details of that. It didn't, not at all. In fact, it made it made me immediately go and look at it. So I do understand what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. It's kind of giving me an expectation to look forward to and making me read it now instead of waiting. Right. <sighs> yeah, that's true. I. I, it makes me interested to read it. Now that Year Zero is over, I should just read all of Year Zero. I should check yeah, exactly. that out. Um, all right, so this week's question is slightly tied into a newsy thing that happened this week, too. Um, so did you see the new Batman Arkham Knight trailer? Um, no. It was it was interesting, not very detail-rich. I read some things about it this What's week. What's most interesting about it is that it revealed the game has an M rating. Mm-hmm. The first Batman game ever to have an M rating. And I think because... The Batmobile isn't as easy to control. If you played the other Arkham games, Mm -hmm. you know that they skirt the line of a T rating so hard. Like, especially, like, Joker is hardcore. Mm -hmm. You deal with, like, uh, some side quests in Arkham City or, like, here's a corpse, inspect it. Like, a mutilated corpse. You just find mutilated corpse. Mm -hmm. Or you have, like... Uh, true. There's some intense stuff, so it makes me wonder, like, what line are they crossing to go to M? Though I also think it's cool if if Rocksteady felt like they had to have an M rating to do the things they want to do storyline-wise, I'm glad they get to do it. But it also made me think, you know, Batman, unlike a lot of video game characters, has a no-kill rule. Mm-hmm. Same, with, same with Spider-Man and, to a degree, Superman. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of big-name superheroes who have a no-killing rule. And so I'm interested what uh, the readers think. Like, you know, does that feel out of place in this day and age? Does or Do you care if your superheroes mm-hmm. kill people or not? Like, you know, cops kill people in self-defense like they're, yeah, when they're doing their job. Soldiers like, kill people. Yeah, it is. It's... Murder doesn't necessarily make you not the hero in your story. True. So, yeah, I was curious what people thought about that. Like, and this is, look, I could get on my liberal soapbox here and be like, oh, man, against death penalty, death and everything, mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And that's, and I love, I love that Spider-Man under Dan Slott mm-hmm. has doubled and tripled down on that of like saying, no, when Spider-Man's here, no one dies. 
Mm-hmm. Nobody. I kill no one. Well, That's I Spider-Man's do like thing. the balls they had in Superior were like, well, this one does. Yeah, he's like, And he might do it with a gun to somebody's he, head. He says, oh, yeah, you don't deserve to live. Like, you're a guy who's murdered thousands of people I, heartlessly. Like, you die. I Bam. actually remember very vividly talking to my parents about stuff like Batman. Like, mm. why doesn't he just kill him? Because he can't do that. <laughs> That's dumb. Yeah. Joker killed a lot of people. He should die. I do think, and I think in the real world, mm-hmm. the first time the Joker is caught, mm-hmm. he's dead. Like, he's, the cops would just shoot him. Like but in co- almost all of these situations, it is a hero fighting a villain. Mm-hmm. Actually, I thought when I was a kid that they, these people are killing people all the time. Reading, reading issues from that era, like, even the villains don't really kill anybody. That's Almost never. The Joker is so extreme of like, yeah. no, he kills so many people. He's killed and so, like and I think people. I think that's actually how it was justified to us in an, in a comic code era, mm-hmm. in that there nobody, even the villains weren't really killing anybody. They'd kill like one mm-hmm. person, and he would have to be of significant value or one of the heroes. Yeah, or it was an extreme thing. Like mm-hmm. there was, they would threaten it. Come close. There was this line in um, in the classic Alan Moore book, "Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow," mm-hmm. where he fights like all his villains start coming back and he fights the toy man and a couple others and they murder like they kill people and Mm -hmm. then superman says boy if the joke people are killing are like (laughs) murderers now what about the murderers (laughs) like so he did fight people who were killers but even then like Lex would just kill one guy Mm -hmm. if the ends justified the means there's there's in, in a really good superhero comic with a climactic lead up to a villain I do mm. find myself saying just kill him yeah this guy, and I'm against I'm, I'm against that as a as this fucking west coast liberal and uh, mm. but and then but I'm not really against killing people in comics no I, I think but I think it, I think that's but but to do that from a storyline perspective, is still fucking weak. When your character can just uh, kill anybody. Well, and I definitely think it's weak in movies when they... In, in movies, they do this most with superheroes. Mm-hmm. We're like, they want they want retribution. They're like, mm-hmm. the Joker, n- not in Dark Knight, but in Batman 89, the Joker has to pay. The Joker's done too much and he has to mm-hmm. die. And there maybe is the rule, okay, Batman can't kill him, but Joker's going to die. And so it's just... Whoops! I died in a way that you can't blame yourself, Batman. <laughs> that always, it's not your fault. It's been hap- it's almost for exclusively for a long time completely ripped off of Disney movies. The <laughs> yes. villain falls due to its own hubris. It's like, oh well, oh you're trying to save me, huh? I still yes. want to stab your arm. Oh, you had to drop me because I stabbed you. Uh, yes, so and so Batman, Spider-Man, Rudy Ray Moore, they would all end up, you know, seeing the demise of their big. So, bad. Yeah, that's such a cop out. That that's why. I think it shocked a lot of people in Dark Knight when he didn't kill the Joker. Yeah. Like, and that was an interesting character dynamic. Like, like the Joker said, "You truly are incorruptible." Yes, like that. It. I like that. There's that code, but I not everyone's aware of that. And you mentioned Arkham uh, City. Yeah, that just. It's the only time I've heard that, and I hated it. It was like, "I don't kill. It is my rule." Razal, like mm. we all know that. I've never heard you say that out loud. I felt like he was talking to the less knowledgeable audience. It was weird. Like, it was weird to hear him say that. I have to stay. He's like, I have to stay again. I don't kill. Yeah, because even thing. in comics, I remember him like, why don't you just kill a Batman? It's not my, not what I do. Yep. Got to have a code, kid. <laughs> and it's cool for Batman. Though, I think uh, one one area where lethal force was mm-hmm. interestingly justified was... Man of Steel? Uh, no. <laughs> but in Jeff John's run on... Uh, 
on Green Lantern when he mm. started up. Green Lanterns had always had this rule of like you can't kill anybody, like no lethal force. Your your ring won't let you do it. Mm-hmm. While meanwhile, um, the the Yellow Lanterns could kill anybody. They could kill with impunity, and they would rub that in the face of the Green Lanterns of like, oh yeah, I killed twenty of your brothers. Now you finally <laughs> caught me. You can't kill me, and I'll get out again. Ha ha! And so then they were finally given they were given the they were given lethal force on their rings, and Jeff Johns' defense of that was like. Well, yeah, the Green Lantern Corps is an army, like, or they're they're space cops, and space cops can shoot people. Sometimes mm-hmm. they they have to le- like s- legitimately use lethal force, but also the Green Lanterns can't just like kill people willy nilly. Their bosses won't let them do that. Mm-hmm. So it was an interesting dynamic. Like it was it was an overdue thing. Like the Green Lanterns did need to have lethal force, I thought. But anyway, so yeah, that was an interesting situation. So. Uh, in the in the uh, forum for uh, uh, all right, so in this week's episode, we'll have a link to the forum for this week's question of the week. Answer it on the forums. You know, what do you think of superheroes using lethal force? Like, and and what do you think, especially of like Batman getting more more and more violent all the time, stuff like that. Let's have a, a discussion about that. And also, I want to rip something off from Vigi Game Apocalypse. They did this week. You said that they huh. answered a question. So on top of this. Why don't you guys, let's try this out. You guys, if you want, in the comments for this week's episode, ask a question of us. Mm -hmm. And we'll answer, and I'll pick my favorite of the questions, Mm -hmm. and we'll answer it. We'll answer a question from you guys. Not just give out questions, but answer them ourselves. Nice plug for Vigigo Apocalypse, though. And I did did want to thank our colorist friend in the previous episode. Mm -hmm. We talked, we... I knew I didn't know enough about inkers, colorists, and letterers, but yes. I was talking Nobody about what was I trying knew. to make them feel sound less important. We're I just... love, I love colorists, letterers, inkers. I They're all that's great. That's what we said, and, and we wanted to like know more about their modern roles. Yeah. And we got a really great uh, explanation from one of our readers mm-hmm. in uh, last week's episode comments. So go to that ish, uh, go to that episode, and you can read mm-hmm. like a great description of how. Like doing coloring layout for Southern mm-hmm. Bastards works. Like it was a great example. I I learned a lot about the modern process for coloring books. Yeah, it, was it was great. Really good. So check that out. So I know I gave you a lot of actions, but we still have more to mention. Like the plugs for what? Laser time show this week, people. Well, one I, I plugged that on YouTube. We have our uh, stream this week, but we talk a ton about the Oscars, Fastlane, and make a bunch of weird dating jokes. And obviously, <laughs> fart jokes are plenty, um, but you can find that at youtube.com slash network if you're into games. We also have Video Game Apocalypse. Uh, Dave, well, probably by now, should have his fucking cheap podcast episode <laughs> yeah, I up. I think so. We, we, me, you, and Dave did a long one this week. Yeah. And also, we did... Um, <clears throat> Uh, also on this week's Laser Time, if you want to hear one of the best audio outtakes ever, yes, it's give it yes. a listen. It, it's that I don't know why, but this week's episode is one of my favorites. I love it. it was a great um, quiz down. We hadn't done a good yeah, quiz we down. We are asking in a while. the most important question on the tip of everyone's tongue: Is it He Man, TMNT, or Transformers? I <laughs> give the name of a care of mostly an action figure because a lot of them mm. don't have bases on the on the TV shows, and you have to name whether it is from the Ninja Turtle line, Transformers line, or He Man line. And the only I'm not, only shit I'm getting called for is like that's actually both. I'm like well, that was, <laughs> now, one of my defense, the point was to find the most interchangeable names possible, and that only proves my point. Yeah. Uh, so go to so check out all of that. You'll have a grand time. <clears throat> You'll have a grand time if you go to lasertimepodcast.com. Donate. We'll buy Henry some lozenges. 
Yeah, do all that stuff, guys. All right, until next time, Excelsior! Excelsior.